This is the Marketing Umbrella Podcast, where it's all about getting the information you need from successful leading marketers to build and grow your digital marketing agency. Brought to you by Inamur Shafir, founder and CEO of Umbrella, the technology platform and brand that is powering thousands of marketing agencies around the country. Find him at UmbrellaUS.com. And now, here's your host, Inamar Shafir. Welcome to the Marketing Umbrella Podcast, where we talk with successful marketing experts about ways to build and grow your digital marketing agency. Our guest today is a serial entrepreneur, a high-tech investor. He's the founder of First Wave, the first CRM company to ever go public. He was named one of the 10 most influential people in CRM by Sales and Marketing Automation Magazine, has been called the father of customer relationship management by CRM Magazine, and currently serves as a CEO of Sales Talk Technologies. I'm excited to say hello to Richard Brook. Hey, Richard. Thank you. Wow. You have done so much and you have so much experience and I can probably interview for three hours, but I'm going to try and choose the best uh, questions for the next 30 minutes. Before we deep dive, I know you were helping agencies today. We talked about it before the podcast, so that's actually going to chime in directly into what we're doing here. But before we talk about how CRM is related to helping agencies, maybe you can tell the listeners a little bit about your background so they can see how you got where you got Okay, I'll try to make it short. Um, I think out of the box, I'm different, maybe because of my background, okay? But I uh, majored in accounting, and I did real well at it. And so I went to work for Pricewaterhouse, a big CPA firm, and got my CPA, and then I got an MBA and did well. And then I was practicing with a CPA firm, had my own CPA firm, and IBM said, would you sell your software to another CPA? I wrote a timing billing system, because I think differently. Okay, hmm. about how to build time. And this has to do with marketing. The, the relevance to marketing agencies. A marketing agencies, when I went to these CPA firms across the United States, I would, and they would have big meetings. IBM would bring me in and said, would you talk about your software? Does, does, do CPA firms really need a, uh, you know, a computer? A computer in our office was the subject. And so when I talked about the billing, I would ask the CPAs and managing partners, who sets the billing rates in your firm? And they would go, Johnny does, the Sue, and Johnny, the manager. I said, no, they don't. They, they don't. Your clients set your billing rates. In tradition, CPA firms, it's three times the salary. I said, that has no bearing on anything. They mm -hmm. do it based upon perceived value. Mm -hmm. And so my advice to marketing agencies is you've got to increase your perceived value, and your cost doesn't matter. And you're going to you do not want to compete on price. You want to compete on perceived value. Your perceived value is higher. I mean, I truly had, when I was practicing CPA, I delivered a tax turn to, to a dentist. <laughs> and this is from my marketing strategy here. I delivered it to him. So Dr. Garber, he was referred to me by the veterinarian. And I said a long time ago, my fee was, it was very long time ago. It was $250 was the, the guy charged him last year, okay, mm -hmm. you know, to do this tax turn. And so I said, Dr. Garber, I did your tax turn, but it's going to be more than last year because I had to set you up my accounting system to go down next year. He said, okay, how much is it? He said it was $400. I said, $400. He stood up and he looks at me like this. And he said, that's <laughs> not enough. He said, you did too much work for that. Now, he said, tear that up. And he wrote me a check for $600. And then he takes me on these fishing trips and things like that. I had eight dentists at the end of the year. Nice. Eight. See, so the point being, because every dentist in town says, this Richard Brock's the best CPA in town. Well, th did I know the most about tax law? No. 
I was young, but did I have a high perceived value? And what I did is I showed Dr. Garber what I was doing, and he asked me to do more services because I got him involved. Gets back to marketing agencies. And if, if you just do it for them, the more they get involved, your clients see what you're doing, appreciate what you're doing, you can be better off. So, but, but that, to, to get back to the history, so uh, IBM said, would you sell your software to another CPA firm? Well, software's all profit, right? So I started doing those webinars. Mm -hmm. There were 40,000 CPA firms in the United States. I sold 10,000 of them. Wow. 25% market share. So all across the United States. Uh, and then uh, I went to work for the company that did the acquisition. My company was acquired by New York Stock Exchange Company. So they, they, they wanted me, they liked me a lot, and they said, would you come out to California and be the VP of acquisitions? And I said, okay. So I flew out to California, moved out to California, and I traveled around even internationally doing acquisitions for them. And I walked in, nobody had anything like I had for the basic CRM. Hmm. And I said, that's how I got the father. I said, that's crazy. So then I came back and I started Brock Control Systems. You know, I said, I'm going to start a new company to sell uh, the CRM, what was called CRM system. So I wrote the first CRM thing because I saw there was a need for it. Mm -hmm. And it was the first CRM company to go public, product control systems. It was also the number one stock in the New York Stock Exchange in 1994, you know, because it was very hot, CRM. Then, going along here, CRM is now a commodity. And the problem with CRM, when I first started in CRM, there was no record keeping, okay? I mean, the guys had notepads. And then computers came out, I mean, really notepads okay you know the notepads and of course if you're the boss you got no visibility so then we says why don't we get them to use green screens and update the system brilliant idea so it's gone beyond way that and what happened is that management got involved with crm and this has a bearing on on marketing agencies okay crm has now done two sales reps not four sales reps and it's the sales managers want to keep their jobs and ceo wants to keep his job because it's not about selling the most it's about making your commitment to the board because the board fires CEOs for missing numbers, not by doing, not because they don't do their best, because they don't know that. So the CEO, if the sales rep says it's here, the CEO will say it's here, so he makes the numbers. So I'm very disappointed in that particular game. So CRMs are done two reps, which is why they hate them. So what I'm thinking, the, the, the real secret sauce, you know, for marketing agents and whatever. So I got into marketing automation, and that was Lead Life Solutions. Uh, and we did real well with that and still have some clients using that. And it was an early, early way of doing that. Now, that is, space is really crowded. So now I've moved into sales relevance. It's salesrelevance.com. Get sales talk points to salesrelevance.com. And it's about applying artificial intelligence to sales calls. Mm -hmm. It gets back combining CRM to, to marketing automation. Here's the beautiful part about it. And I've seen this and loving it. Uh, I'm hoping not going too far with the story, but marketing agencies today, okay, um, they work from home. Now, we were doing a lot of business marketing agencies, and I went, oh, my God, oh, my God. It was the first thing that people cut with COVID, and rightfully so. I mean, what's going to happen in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Now, but what the most important thing is, now the buyers don't take meetings anymore. They don't. And so marketing, the pressure on marketing is you've got to be relevant, and all the stuff that you provide in your umbrella services, the business in a box of marketing engine, is totally relevant. And you have a multi-mode touch of how to reach people, and that is what you have to do. Now, what we help marketing agencies realize is that, okay, the sales guys are kind of desperate, like, no one will meet with me anymore. They won't. And it's very easy to turn somebody off and say, hey, you know, can I have 15 minutes of your time to, to better understand your needs? And the answer is, uh, no, I have to uh, take a, I have to have a root canal or something. You know, I'd rather yeah. have a root canal. Okay? <laughs> and no, boom. 
Okay. Now, if I'm sitting across the table from you, all that rapport building stuff worked. It didn't work anymore. So now the beautiful thing about the marketing agency, the, the desperate need, the desperate need for marketing agencies is to write really compelling copy for sales reps to be relevant, mm-hmm. relevant in every call, because you've got a few seconds to be relevant. Now, what right. I, my AI engine takes that content and serves it up based upon your profile, your industry, what you looked at, et cetera. So it all comes together. But if you, you cannot start off with a dumb, can I understand your needs? No. You better start off with an opening statement, an AI generated opening statement that makes you relevant. Now, sales reps, <clears throat> you could accuse them of a lot of things, but not of writing good content. And that's where marketing agencies come in. So, so the marketing agency kind of sets the script and the AI knows where to pitch the script to the sales rep? How does that work? Yeah, and the beautiful thing about it is marketing agencies have been writing good content for years. They do. They, that's their job. Okay? <laughs> that's not the sales rep's job. Uh, but now you need a PDF, some things to, to give the people to follow up, right? And you, the website has documents on it. Sales reps have limited attention spans and limited memory. Mm-hmm. So what, what our software does, it takes the content marketing does, and you copy it in our software, and it Google indexes it, all the content, okay, and with the Google index. Then when you get a profile of a, of a lead in your CRM, whatever CRM you're using, it doesn't matter. But when you click on the open that lead record, it knows everything about you, what your title, your industry, your company size, okay, and then what would be relevant to you. I'll give an example for an opening statement. If you're the CEO of a market leader, Mm-hmm. I'm going to open. I'm going to say, well, um, you know, as a market leader, you're just right. so mad at those little well-funded VC guys that come in here. They don't, they're not trying to make a profit. They just screw everything up. And they screw up the price and they make promises can't deliver. Is that right? And you go, yes, let's get them. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are a market challenger, I said, you know, as a market challenger, I really admire your challenge. I know it's hard because those big guys have got that market presence and they just clout that market presence and all the users and they're stifling you, your innovation. They, they could not compete with you if they, if they got out in the field with you. And you go, yes, you yep. see, I'm relevant. Yep. That is totally different. And that's where marketing comes into play. So there's never been a bigger need for well-crafted messages. And a sales department is not guilty of writing well-crafted messages. Marketing is, but they've got to take them off of marketing, so to speak, and put them in the CRM so they pop up when that lead records open up and continue. And even as the call goes on, based upon the time you talk about something, it should change the message to reflect what you were interested in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And okay, so let's say I'm a marketing company and I want that. I you know I, I, I want my sales rep to have the exact, or I want to help a client that has a sales rep to have the exact situation that you're describing. When I'm working with your system, am I writing a specific copy according to a templated, you know, buckets that you give me, or I just write whatever I want as a script, shove it in, and then your AI does some sort of magic? The latter. And even here's the nice thing about it. Um, like we have a, a partner that sells insurance and he wrote a book uh, and it's 183 different rebuttals to sell insurance. It's a 178 page book. We took his book. We imported his book. He gave it to me as a PDF. And three minutes later, we had broken his 178 page book into like 250 different talking points, all Google indexed. So you, you don't redo your content. Yes, you can copy and paste it, but why would you? Why don't you take your marketing content, just import it in my system, and then it'll default to the words that are in the indexing, and then you stuff it with keywords. Because, see, here's the problem, okay? Marketing's doing a great job 
of doing this. And it's easy for them to have a pitch for a market leader and a pitch for a challenger. Very easy. They can do that easy. Heck, a lot better than a sales rep. However, the sales rep, a lot of times in today's world, the guy who's opening the conversation is less experienced. He's doing mm -hmm. that job because he's less experienced. And, and sadly, he doesn't call people with less experience. He calls somebody with money because that's how you make a sale. So you have a huge disparity. And so the, he's calling someone with more experience. And then the guy smells out a, a, a green bean here. And green bean says, you don't want to buy that from me, do you? And he goes, no, thank you. Good luck, kid. Call me in a couple of years, right? <laughs> and so but marketing can solve that problem because there's not a person you saw. I saw your response in your face. When you saw, if I hit you with, I got you all fired up about the you know, market challenger, market leader. And I say, now here's how other people who are doing exactly what you're doing are doing something differently. Tell me more. Okay. Right. And so, but see, I have to be relevant. And then during the call, so so the trick, I think the secret features, leave your CRM alone. Yes, it's needed for the forecast. Yes, you know, um, you know, we do have, it is a CRM, but we'd say use your CRM because just click a button from your CRM, open up the lead record. Use anything in there, anything in there, anything, including the digital behaviors that Marker does because I've got to look at what you were looking at. And I've got ways to solve that now that cookie list the world, but that's another thing we saw. But you, I need to be relevant to you. To me, that's the secret of sales. It used to be if I was lucky enough to get an appointment with you, I could sit across the table from you. I could look at your books and see what you got here and I said, well, you know, what's that thing here? What makes you think about that? Why'd you like that? Why'd you choose that? I mean, you're, I'm not in your office and you ain't got time for that crap, you know, so to speak. Net, net. net. And it's not a mean thing. But yep. we're working from home, so most people work longer, but they have no – the this is, believe it or not, the average sales call is shorter. Mm. And the attentions, they're shorter because the buyers don't net net. They ain't got time for foolishness of the old prepared. So marketing has never been more important. Now, here's – this has stunned you. I think it will stun you. What we're seeing a trend is that companies are realizing this. And they're starting to realize that the field sales rep, traditional field reps, like, hey, let's go play golf or let's meet for lunch. We'll talk about it. He's unemployed, okay? And uh, the fluffy stuff doesn't work anymore. Then you got the, the aggressive, you know, BDR. Now, the, the aggressive, if you look at people who are blowing it ballistically up, like sales loft, things like that, I mean, it's ballistically hot. Sales loft is a sales cadence system, cadence following up with people regularly, which is necessary because you're hard to reach. Now, the problem that, that they solve so beautifully is that the green bean, you know, the person who takes a BDR job, he's undisciplined, you know, how, how the kids go through school, they get out of school, the attention span of a gnat, whatever, and they're calling these people more experienced, and any excuse known to man, they won't do it. But sales law, very beautifully and very professionally, has a beautiful little product that says, Mr. Green Bean, I think you need to follow this cadence because... The boss is kind of like, are you, were you here today? <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe you don't like to do this job, so let me find someone that would, right? So they're a cadence system. They're about, about being e efficient. We're about being effective. Mm -hmm. And that's where marketing mm -hmm. comes into play because nobody else writes content. But what we're seeing is we're seeing that the uh, cadence people, okay, that, the, the, that the, the cadence people can take our content and, re and use it to reflect and make the reps more effective. And that's what's necessary is being more effective because that's what makes a sale is being effective. So marketing, but you're seeing, I was going to make the point I was make, is you're seeing BDR organizations are actually starting now to report to marketing. We were, I was stunned by that. I mean, I didn't, hmm. I was just an observation because companies are realizing that the marketing department, um, 
the BDRs are not bad people. We have a good system for them, okay? What they need is they need marketing's understanding that the problem is not the messages that are right, that are never used. It's how to use the messages when you need them. And that's one yep. of the things that's real big in our reporting. So you, I think you're going to see over time marketing messages, and you'll see uh, if, or if I was a marketing agency, I would say that I am going to work with your BDR team. What? Oh, yeah, no, no. I'm not going to leave my stuff at the door and hope you can find it and hope you open it and we'll use it. I'm going to track what's used. I'm going to improve what's being used. I'm going to counsel you what's working. That's the difference. And, and, and let's let's try to break it down to smaller businesses, okay? So once you have a marketing team, you have a you have a sales team, and you know, then obviously all those things come into play, and you just need to explain why this is better. Uh, what about smaller companies? Like let's say five to ten employees, maybe some of them don't have a CRM. That's a completely different conversation, but maybe they have a very you know basic kind of situation and. They don't really have a sales ops, as you would imagine, in a bigger company. Uh, is there any way to help them, or is that too small? How we help them? Like, what's the situation there? No, they're perfect because, one, they're appreciative. And here's another thing. The bigger the company, the more people make decisions, and the people start to protect their jobs. And there's a lot of resistance to change at bigger companies because it affects my job, et cetera. If you're the smaller the company, the more likely the entrepreneur is there and he goes, uh, I need to make payroll, and so we need to make more sales. Now, um, so there's more of a cooperation. So the marketing agency can become the integral partner of the smaller companies, the integral partner, because they cost smaller companies, they make widgets, they sell cars, whatever, they, they license this, whatever. They, they do not do marketing. That yeah. is a skill set. That's a heck of a good skill set, different than they're making their widgets. So if they can get, and they will, get the confidence of the CEO and the team that they can take their message and craft and deliver it, they, they will be embraced, pulled in, and they'll say, please, 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 just don't dump off your content. Just don't write the emails. I want you to look at what's happening in the sales team. I want you to look at the actual time that they're talking about different subjects and modify your content. I want you to look at the sales that close, and I want you to make the content more relevant to that. I want you to coach the sales team by comparing Tom, Dick, and Harry and say the reason that Tom's got a new car and you two don't is look what Tom's doing different than you are. So because we track what's really happening, it's much easier if, if sales reps have an ego. That's fine. Yep. Right? And so uh, but they love comp they're competitive. Right. And so if I can get if I can say Tom, Dick and Harry, you know, you need to sell more professionally. And they go, yeah, whatever. But if I can sit down here, see the new car in the parking lot. Here's what Tom has it. And they go, really? Then they yeah. will replicate behaviors are working. So they I think a smaller agency has more chance to redefine themselves as an integral revenue partner not a technical marketing agency. And that's a big difference. You know, you need to be a revenue partner, not a not writing a bunch of copy and emails. I mean, you, you have to, that's kind of your job. Like you go to a doctor, yes, he's going to put Band-Aids on and stuff like that. You yeah. don't go there and have him put on Band-Aids. You have him to solve the problem. So the marketing agencies will redefine themselves as I'm an integral revenue partner. And I have a skill set that you need but my skill set does you no good if it's not you. So I'm going to be part of your team, and, and they'll pay you handsomely because I'm giving you feedback. So, uh, you know, I, I guess a lot of, you know, I, I work with a lot of uh, agencies directly, and a lot of the small ones, I bet they're hearing this, and they're saying, look, I have some marketing skill sets, some things I know how to do, some things I don't know how to do, and then Umbrella can do it for me, or, you know, uh, there, are, there are a limited 
amount of things that I know how to do in marketing. Now, I feel comfortable writing a copy for an ad. I feel comfortable writing even a script, but going all the way and actually providing sales consultation, sitting down with people, providing advice and helping manage, maybe it's a little bit out of my scope. So is that is that a layer of skill set that people can pick up fast or you actually need to grow into sales and become a little bit more expert on that before you can do it? I'm going to laugh here because, you know, probably America's number one sports college football, right? Mm-hmm. And you get people, you talk about funny, you watch on TV how they dress up in their costumes and they've all got opinions. And oh boy, football season, this guy's a better coach. That's yeah. the same true of sales managers. Okay, now. This podcast is brought to you by Umbrella. Have an agency? Check out UmbrellaUS.com to grow it today. Okay, what I'm saying, the marketing agency, the sales manager who allegedly, I know everything, okay? Now, one time I was a sales rep. I did well. I got promoted, which means I'm the sales manager, but I still don't know how to be a manager. I just know how to be a good sales rep. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I was doing right. But what the marketing agency can do is say, let me explain something. We have agreed in talking to you and by looking at your competitors and and what they're doing. This is the right presentation, the message that differentiates you that will close business. Okay. Now, what you're missing, this is the beautiful part of our system here, what you, manager of your business, are missing is you don't know what your reps are doing. But with our system, they will click to what you're discussing so that they can get a bullet point. And so it can be tracked. So they're tracking what they're discussing as they're going through it. So mm-hmm. the time is there. Now you're the marching agency. And then you go back and we generate the reports and you say, Mr. Voss, no, I was, I mean, this is really funny. I mean, this is almost a true statement. People say, well, you were looking at my revenue numbers. How'd you get access to my accounting? <laughs> no, I don't know who sold more, but I can tell you this is the behaviors. For example, we map, you know, the manager decides that, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry, you're supposed to have an opening statement, spend about two minutes to open them up, you know, and, and to set the stage. Your qualifications should spend like five minutes, let's just say that, because if you don't, then you don't really don't know how to relate to their perceived needs, et cetera. So with our software, we'll say you had a 30-second opening statement, a two-minute, you know, thing, you're way short. Or get to the point. You took eight minutes instead of five minutes. Now, why does that matter? doesn't matter to me. It matters to your, your wife or your spouse because you ain't bringing on the paycheck because yeah. it doesn't match. And so the marketing person is, here's the point I was making to bring it home. I'm saying the sales manager truly usually doesn't know what's going on without my system. And even he or she do not know what's really working what you, because they just don't know. And the sales rep's like, tell me, tell me why your son, why did so-and-so. Is that really why? So yeah, what yeah. we do is we're saying, like, you go to the doctor and you say, I don't feel good. You know, I don't need to ask. I need to say, let me do some tests. So what we do is we give a really a picture of what's working, what's not, where the variance is. Now, the marketing agency is more qualified than the sales manager because he's more probably quantitative, right? And mm-hmm. he can take the report and he can go to the boss and he says, let's sit down together here and Mr. Sales VP and, and Mr. CEO of your company, I'm your revenue partner. And I want to show you what I'm seeing of the messages that I'm saying here, what seems to be working. So how can we get the reps who are not talking this way in this sequence, how can we rebalance things? They're missing nothing. Because I guess you said the question, how are they qualified to talk about sales management? 
I'm saying the sales managers aren't. You have to speak. It's observation. It's like the doctor who does a prescription. God help you if you walk in and sit down here, take this. Here's a prescription. Like, what? Wait, wait, wait. Don't yeah. you want to problem with me? And so he has to do some tests before he can do. It. The worst thing he says, sit down and do surgery. Wait a minute. Maybe he's got some open time trying to make some money. You know? <laughs> he needs to do your test, and he tells you why you need that surgery. Do you go? Okay. You know, and so yeah. that's what I'm thinking. So the marketing, there's nobody better qualified than the marketing manager because they, because market sales is about, this is the big difference, okay? If if being a good old boy and, you know, hey, let's be friends. I mean, you're a nice guy. We're having a good conversation, but we had a, a, a meeting scheduled and we have respect for each other. But if I'm, you know, calling you as a sales rep is, you know, this is really, really bad. The studies show now that I think it's 80% of the people you know, uh, do not trust sales reps, that they're 60 or 80% through their buying journey before they'll talk to a sales rep. So at any time they talk fluff. So the fluff guys are out of work. Mm -hmm. So now the pressure is you've got to be relevant. That doesn't mean I'm, uh, I cannot do the same thing to everybody. Now I can have, you know, 15 different pitches. Okay, and that's fine. But the fact is I better be talking to you about what you're interested in and that. You know, uh, I'd show you a picture, but everybody get mad at me in the office. I have a picture. I said, don't show that anymore. But it's a picture. This is a perfect example, okay? It's a picture, and I live in Arizona, right? And it shows a picture, and I said, before the sale, before the, uh, before the call answered, the rep had a plan for the call, okay? But once the phone answers, the rep, the, the prospect has a different plan. And in this picture, it's, a, it's a, a horse trying to throw a cowboy off. I mean, that horse is kicking his feet up, and the cowboy is going like this, and we're trying to stand on his back. Yeah. And that is too applicable to a sales call today. So it, once again, the buyer is ever, I mean, this is what happened with COVID. The buyer is now totally in control of the purchase process, and the buyer is demanding that you add value. And you can only add value when you clarify something that is relevant to them, which means all this soft stuff, which gets back to marketing. You need to take what you've got, you know, and you're the best person because you can write something pretty. You can make it look pretty in marketing. You can express yourself well, far better than the sales rep, right? And you just got to put in his hands what he should say in the sequence you do it. And then you become the doctor. You know, you walk in, case in point, you may be the lab tech, okay? You know, and you walk into the meeting and you say, doctor, here is what's wrong with this person. Yeah. Okay. And your sales manager might be the doctor. And he'll say, we're going to do this surgery, lay down, we'll cut you open. But everybody agrees. So the marketing person, we give them the reports to say, what is working? What is relevant? That's the this is a golden opportunity for marketing agencies. It's not going to go backwards either. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Not all marketing experts that I know are copywriters, but uh, I, they all have. I would agree. They all have a better way of expressing themselves, probably more than salespeople. That's a hundred percent, and because they think marketing. So, if I'm a solopreneur, by the way, is it still relevant for me? Yeah. In uh, yes, more so. Because you got, I mean, that's the problem. Now, because you are, are, you know, an entrepreneur, sole entrepreneur, if you are, you know, you've got a business to run, and you started this because you know how to make widgets. You no, make no. Widgets. Let's let's say I, I want to focus that. Let's say we're talking now to the listeners that are solopreneurs in their marketing agency and are trying to grow. Okay. Okay. Then, then the good news is, is the clients that that uh, who will hire them are the ones that think they have the, that they can create a perceived value. 
and something like what we do creates a high perceived value. Says, I don't need just, an, and this is an advantage. If I'm a small marketing agency, I would say, you know, you can go to the big marketing agency. What you're going to get is a formula. You're going to get an inexperienced person. They're going to like, the rate's going to be here. It's going to be viewed, and it'll kill you. The monthly rate will kill you. They won't do a bad job. But they really, they're in a factory of generating a lot of revenue. Mm-hmm. Now, but if you, but I am a marketing person. I know what I'm doing in marketing. I want to sit down with you and understand your needs, and I'm going to craft message because me, I'm not going to hand it off to somebody else. I'm going to do the work with you. I become your revenue partner. So I guess you could say, redefine yourself as a revenue partner, not a marketing agency, because people don't need marketing. They don't pay a marketing agency for marketing. They pay a marketing agency for revenue, right? Mm-hmm. So redefine mm-hmm. yourself as a revenue partner. You know that can add my expertise of writing effective messages around your product, and you know. So if you're small, then you sell the personality. Uh, I was, you know, telling you earlier, I was able to get eight dentists in one year as clients because of the way the first dentist was so impressed when I was practicing CPA that I knew yeah. anything about. It was because I they had a perceived relevance to to dentist. Definitely. Okay, so if you can describe a three step. So tomorrow. One of the agency people that are listening to this now is waking up tomorrow. He is, he decides he wants to go for it. What are the three-step approach to starting a conversation with a prospect about it? He goes on LinkedIn. He wants to write a message. What does he write? I want to be a revenue partner. That's the positioning. You know, I've, I just came with that, that idea in this conversation, uh, but I think I might. Because remember, if he's the same as everybody else, he gets nowhere, not a zip-up. Agreed. And so you've got to be thought-provoking. Now, you, you, if watching your face, this revenue partner is like, you're thinking. Okay, i got a question for you. How can you control what someone's thinking? You, you can ask them the right questions. Ask any question. <laughs> any question. The, the question gets you thinking about what uh, questions you're on, mm-hmm. okay? And so, so, so if I am going to try to open a door, and I am a smaller agency, right? And I've got all these other guys. And it, it, why would I take the risk as a prospect to go with a small agency? Because I can just I get a guaranteed result. Yes, I might spend more money, but times of the essence, I need revenue now and whatever. I can't take a risk on a small guy unless. He shatters my expectation of what a marketing agent is supposed to do. So my job isn't just to pump out a bunch of stuff and spend your money. My job is to redefine the job. My job is to be a revenue partner, generate your revenue. I don't write your product. Okay, I don't create your market. You do. You know how to better do that than me. But what I do is I know how to study markets, look at other competitors' ads, and write really compelling copy for you to deliver. And so that's what, and what I'm going to do as a, as a smaller agency is it's going to be me. I have more competence than you're going to get from a bigger agency. Bigger agencies are going to bring in the guy of my expertise to sell right. you, and then they're going to farm it out to the junior level, and you're going to get junior level work, and you're going to get the rates tripled. So if you want, and they don't care because you're just one of many clients. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a revenue partner. Yes, I'm a smaller agency, but... Am I credible? Can I, do I know enough to help you? Yes. Do you think I want to help you? Yes. That's interesting. So I would write the copy, and I mean, I might even, if I were doing a blog post, I would say the problem in, this would be really wild, you know, say new relationships, call it a revenue partner. Say in the marketing agency, you know, 
conundrum today is people buy from big agencies assuming it's a safe choice, but it's really not. Because what you get is you get mediocre results because the partner you sell, who sells you is not the one who delivers results. So you get a less experienced people. If you really want to optimize your revenue, if you really need to be effective in marketing, mm-hmm. you need to get someone who cares as much, as much about this as, as you do, and that'd be me. Okay, because this is my business. You have your business. You're a small company. I'm a small company. I want to serve you for the long term. Right. That's not some big thing. So you go after it, and basically you get them thinking like revenue partner. Hmm, maybe big agencies are not really as good as a small agency. I but like this, revenue partner. I like it. Yeah. I, I, I like the position. Yeah. So so you go there and and you sell yourself and sell against the big guys because and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. There's nothing wrong with big agents, nothing wrong with them. But it's true, right? The guy that sells you is not the one that delivers it. And so they do the scale business. Now, you know, I'll give you an example. This this is something to take home. Um, when I did practice with Price Waterhouse, maybe I was a teacher's pet or the managing partner, and he gave me all kinds of special projects. I'm like, what? What he did, this will freak you out. He sent me to research prospective clients, and not to see if they have the money, but to make sure that they were clean businesses and weren't doing anything weird. Because if you're doing an audit, you know, you say, in our opinion, you know, based upon the tests that we, we conducted, these financial results represent fairly the results of what happened. Now, it's based upon sampling statistics. And Price Waterhouse did not ever want to take on a client that was gray. Because gray clients do bad things, and then Price Waterhouse does a certification, which went to Wall Street and whatever, and the numbers were not what they were saying. And so, so I couldn't believe the managing partner was sending me the green bean to go over to research companies. He says, I'm sorry, we won't take your business. Is that crazy? Mm-hmm. So, so that's, you know, uh, because it, what they were saying is, it, it, to take it home to marketing agencies, they rely upon junior people. And so since you're not going to junior people, we can't do, if I had a senior person in there doing the audit, I could be, I'm cool with that. But no, I'm a tier structure. I get keep a lot of kids out of college, and I only want to go where the books are clean because I can't make any money. I'm going to get screwed. I'm going to get sued, and it's going to not worth it if I take on a client that's dirty because my model starts with green beans. So if I was, you know, at marketing agency tomorrow morning, I would establish myself. i got to be different than, and different than the established agencies, and I think they'll kill it. Yeah, so I, I totally agree with you. I think a revenue partner sounds like a great positioning. Um, I think I think I think for marketing agencies here listening to this right now, they need to digest this a little bit. Tell me, where can they find additional information on this? I think on your website, maybe some videos, maybe play with the software. Where can they go? Sure. Yeah, uh, just go to salesrelevance.com. Sales, you know, one word: www.salesrelevance.com. And there's okay. some videos right on the home page. Uh, and yes, they can try a free trial of it and things like that. And it would fit real well with your system because it totally supplements your system. And so um, they'll see what we do. As a matter of fact, we would pay them a referral fee of any of their clients that they bring us that they would bring us in on to use this software. So what they would be doing is they would be putting the content in my system because they would take the existing content, we would scan it in, you know, import it, and then they would be there. And they would be that guy, they walk in with the chart and says, doctor, here's what I found about this guy. So the sales manager might be the doctor that's gonna do the surgery, but he doesn't have the, the, the lab results. So I'm giving lab results. And plus, what I'm doing, the sales reps don't wanna take advice. But now, but they, they will, they're competitive. So you'll see, salesrealmist.com. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, 
look, I'm going to try it myself. You know, we have a call center with, with 20 people. Uh, most of them are SDRs, but uh, some of their scripts are pretty sophisticated. So I think it, it's, it will be a great test, uh, not only for the salespeople, but also for the openers, I mean. Uh, unless you tell me, unless you tell me otherwise, we'll talk after the podcast because you really picked my interest. And you're, by the way, a great marketing and salesperson, I have to tell you. Um, and uh, I, you know, you've been in this market so long. You know, you 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 started and sold companies, and you can provide a ton of advice. And I always ask people that I interview because usually they're successful and they're experts. And they give advice all the time. Do you remember like one awesome advice that you got? Uh, yes, from high school. And I've mentioned I had fantastic grades in college, not in high school. So I was taking a class, believe it or not. And so this teacher uh, tells us, says, um, quitters never win and winners never quit. And I'm thinking, what? what a stupid statement. <laughs> but that is, that's since high school. And it's true. And so it ain't over until it's over. And that's, especially if you have entrepreneurs or people starting new businesses, there's a nuanced thing, okay? And so you can, you can swing and you can miss the green. Never quit. Learn from your, don't do the same thing. Same thing, get the same results. But if you're willing to learn and don't quit, you'll succeed. I mean, there's a reason why most people succeed at, you know, in something sooner or later. I mean, really, anybody who tries well, anybody who tries well, if they'll learn from it, you can't quit. Right now, maybe you shouldn't be doing certain things, but for the most part, if you have if your heart's in it, if your passion's in it, you know, don't quit. Winners, quitters never win, and winners never quit. It's a great advice. So, uh, before we close this session, there is a last part that we do in every episode is a rapid Q and A. I'm going to ask you a few questions. I need quick answers. Okay. If none of these questions are edgy, but if you feel uncomfortable answering any of them, just say pass. Okay. Okay. Okay, cool. So did you get along with your parents growing up? Well, sadly, my father died when I was seven. So yes, I got along with my mother. So Okay. Uh, do you have siblings? Yes, two. Do you have a well, pet? I know you have a pet. I have a big pet, yes. <laughs> How old were you when your first kid was born? Probably 25. When do you wake up? Oh, five o'clock every day. When do you go to bed? Nine, usually. Ideal vacation? That changes over time. So I used to I'm a pilot, so I used to do a lot of flying, used to have motorcycles, used to fish a lot. Uh, now I'm going to see visiting, traveling, going to see family, seeing friends, seeing grandchildren, that kind of stuff. And last question, are you a man of faith? Oh, so, absolutely. That's great. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit, but I, I, I ask everybody the same set of questions. And the idea is try to see if there is some sort of repeating pattern between successful people. Now, obviously, I don't have all the data points. And, uh, you know, right now, the amount of, uh, amount of data and, and, um, is, is limited because I need to do more and more interviews. But, it, I, you know, I don't want to jump into conclusions. But almost beside one, every person I talked with, told me he's a man of faith. And I, I, I'm starting to think that because marketers have higher intelligent, uh, higher emotional intelligence, then maybe they're drawn more to this. I, I'm not sure, but uh, it's, it seems interesting. I'm trying yeah. to creating, 
yeah, there is some sort of uh, potential correlation here, or because entrepreneur is very optimistic, some sort of correlation. Uh, so this has been uh, amazing, uh, Richard. You provided so much value uh, since you. the beginning of this episode so fast. Guys, a few, you know, a few things you need to take from this. A, think about the positioning of the revenue partner. Whether you're doing, uh, whether you're going to quickly understand and initiate the CRM, just the uh, positioning of a revenue partner, I think, is an amazing positioning to get started with. Second, I would highly advise to go to Richard's website and look at the videos and try to understand how you can encapsulate that into your own business or helping others. And uh, third, don't quit. Never quit. That's a great advice. So thank thank you you very much, much, Richard. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the Marketing Umbrella Podcast, where we provide the information you need from successful leading marketers to build and grow your digital marketing agency. Your host has been Inamar Shafir, founder and CEO of Umbrella, the technology platform and brand that is powering thousands of marketing agencies around the country. Find him at UmbrellaUS.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.